Welcome to Art of the Float, where float centers thrive. Our weekly podcast where we share our stories of starting and running our float centers. We love it when you join us each week as we work together to raise our education level on building, marketing, and running our float centers. As always, you can find us at Art of the Float on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And visit artofthefloat.com to find show notes, links, pictures from every episode. All that good stuff. I'm one of your co-hosts, Dylan. I own the float shop with my wife, Sandra, in Portland, Oregon. And as always, I'm joined with Amy of Float Nashville. And I think Brian's behind the scenes there as well. I'm really excited tonight to have our guests, Rick Bowling and Jacob Reich from Float STL. You might recognize the name Float STL. They put on Rise last year, and they're having it again this year. I'm really excited to visit. And um, they're actually here to talk about something else, which is Third Wave Magazine. And I'm excited to learn about what that is and what it means for the float industry. But uh, we'll get to that in a little bit here. First, I do want to give... Thanks to a bunch of new Patreon supporters. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. James Johansson, Eric Baird, Brian Hugendorn of Healing Waters, Jackie Mori, Deanna Sapp, Michelle Lee, Craig Rudzenski of Relax Float Spa, and Katrina Sigversten. Thanks to everybody who signed up to support this. Uh, I know um, a lot of you are signing up because of the way that we're changing our Patreon model. And so welcome aboard. It's pretty fun here. Uh, we'll also be putting out a survey to find out exactly what kind of photos you want to see in the future as well on Patreon. So welcome to this cool little club here. And uh, we're excited to deliver those photos to you every, every month. If you are interested in supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash art of the float is where you want to go. I also want to give a heads up to everybody. August 18th and 19th is the float conference and it's here in Portland, Oregon. Yet again, another float conference that I'm really excited to visit. Floatconference.com is where you want to go. Pre-sales do come out in waves and you know, the earlier that you get it, the cheaper the price is going to be. So I strongly encourage you to go to floatconference.com, check out the speakers that are going to be there. Uh, check out previous speakers as well, which is on YouTube. Uh, which uh, you can find from floatconference.com and just get on the email list. And that's where you're going to get the first word on when to buy tickets as well. So again, floatconference.com is where you want to go. Amy, how are you doing? I'm doing all right this week. Yeah. How are you doing, Ooh. Dylan? Oh, I'm great, but uh, I'm yeah? not opening a second float center. So well, this is true. <laughs> I'm really curious. It's true. You're doing. <laughs> every, uh, you know, every week, there's something new. <laughs> It is. And it's just like anybody else building out. Um, yeah, there's always something new. We had uh, some more delays. Uh, I was just telling our guests uh, before we got started tonight, uh, our drywall was supposed to be completed and they were supposed to start painting yeah. last Thursday. And they didn't show up fr Thursday. They didn't show up Friday. They were supposed to come the weekend. They didn't show up the weekend. So what is yeah. that? How do they get away with that? I have What's no the idea. Repercussion? But it happens all the time. There is none. That's mm. the thing. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and that's that's the hard part. Is is there is none. Uh, we are kind of at their mercy. So yeah. so now they're coming in. They were working yesterday and today. They're supposed to complete it tomorrow. So knock on wood. Yeah. And then yeah, we will start drywall. paint, clean up. Yeah, knock on drywall. We'll clean up and start painting on Thursday. So, you know, that pushes us back just another week. And that's, it's Dang. been those types of things, you know, from day, not day one. Actually, we were going really, mm. really well, uh, going fast right up until Christmas when the right. uh, when those, yeah, inspectors <laughs> didn't show for a few weeks. So, you know, frustrating, but there's been other good things to balance it out. We've, we've solved some what what were really large problems we couldn't get our cooler uh to be uh permitted we couldn't get our cooler mm -hmm. permitted I think you'd mentioned and 
solving that problem turned out to be a lot harder than we thought. And for a while, I was thinking, oh, my work's going to take months and months and months or longer to get this open. But we did solve that problem. That was a big relief. So I'll take, you know, you take the good stuff where you can get it. It all seems to balance out at the end, <laughs> you know. Fair uh, enough. Yeah. Fair enough. You know. So you take what you can get. Uh, actually, the harder uh, the harder stuff this week has been yeah. happening at Float Nashville. How so? Sadly. Well, I think I mentioned last week, you know, we were down a few employees. Mm-hmm. We have one who uh, had to take a leave of absence for mm-hmm. about 30 days. Uh, we have been having some issues with another employee. And then we had a third employee, her, uh, her boyfriend uh, of 18 years, is in th- was suddenly taken to the hospital, and uh, they are not giving him much longer to live. It happened extraordinarily fast. Oh, my God. So she's going through some very difficult times, and, of course, her, her focus needs to be with, with him and not, not us right, at the moment. Course. So, um, you know, wow. so we're supporting a lot. And then what finally happened with our employee who we've been having some issues with we had to let her go this past week, and that was tough. And the reason it was tough is because we adore her. She mm. is so good with clients. She has a lovely heart. She's such a good heart. And she has so much talent, but she's got a lot of stuff going on in her life, and right now we just weren't a good fit for her. And I was listening to a Tim Ferriss um, podcast this was a while back but he had a gentleman on whose mantra was and i hope i get this right hard choices easy life easy life hard uh you know it's uh i knew i'd get this wrong uh hard choices easy life easy choices hard life and basically what it comes down to is you know we had put up with some behavior from this employee for a while because we we wanted so badly (laughs) to see her succeed because like I said, we adore her. This would be so easy if she was, if we were angry with her, if we were mm. upset. Right, right. Um, so, you know, and it was, it's so much easier. You know, we're in the midst of building out and it's so much easier to let her stay there because if, if we let her go, you know, we had to go find new, new employees. We had to train from the start. And it's, that's so hard in the midst of everything else. So on top of just adoring her, we, we didn't want to go through that discomfort. Mm-hmm. But this week, uh, Mark and I sat down, we had a really long talk, and we realized that by making that easier choice, it was making our life difficult. Mm-hmm. It was pulling us, you know, ultimately, the issues that we were having were pulling us away from the new build-out, yeah. and it wasn't right. We weren't doing her a favor, we weren't doing ourselves a favor, so we had to make that hard choice and and let her go, which was pretty devastating, I think, for both of us. <sighs> yeah. So that was a tough week, and kind of rips your heart out of your chest we have to do it. i actually admit um i went into the bathroom afterwards and cried for about 15 minutes i couldn't come out i was in the bathroom crying it was but i'd much rather lose an employee that way than have that anger and have it be mm-hmm. a really horrible you know meltdown situation so um is i'm trying to find the good in this situation and try to uh, make some some mental mindsets, changing some mindsets here <laughs> uh, to move forward. So it's a tough week, but uh, it's I, I, I haven't had anything. Sorry, I haven't had no, anything no. more difficult in my 
business owning career than letting letting people go. It is, I mean, and I've been very vocal on this show about my experiences mm-hmm. with that. And yeah, when when you love somebody or you care about somebody so much, and but it's not the right fit, that is, it, it absolutely feels like you're tearing them out of your own body. You know, it's just it's devastating. And I I've yeah. uh, felt that for it. It doesn't just go away. You don't just move on. So. I, I know even if it's just this week that we talk about it, I know weeks and weeks and weeks and months uh, that'll be affecting you. Um, and I know it's something that we all go through as as float center owners. We have to make that incredibly difficult choice of when that balance just isn't right anymore. And it tends not to be right for them too, because if they're not putting their, excuse me, that staying with it, uh, they're also making that easy choice of this is what I'm comfortable with. This is what I know. And I'm putting in less and less attention to it, but probably the best thing is at some point, and who's to say when, but is for them to go and to be able to put their resources towards something that's going to fulfill them more, um, or they just need to put their attention on maybe it's self-care, something something to that effect. I'm so sorry to hear that. I know, yeah. I, I know, ex- yeah, I, not exactly, I'm not saying I know your exact situation, but it's brutal, and I feel you. I feel for you. It's, thank you. And it's so easy to say, you know, hire or, or uh, Hire slowly, fire quickly. It's so easy to say that, and you know in your head that's what you should be doing as a business owner, <laughs> yeah. but it is a completely different story when your heart's involved. Yeah. Completely different. And I think as float center owners in particular, we have a tendency to, to uh, work a lot Hold with on. our with our heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and as something that was coming up for me, or and again, I've talked about it on the show, is just that you think as a manager – you can help somebody become better. And to, to yeah. a degree, you can facilitate, but you can't change. And if, if somebody, if they're not there, there's only so far that you can go. You can only meet them so far, I guess, and provide so much yeah. opportunity for them to show, it, uh, to show up. Or Right. If the heart's not in it, the heart's not in it. And yeah. you got to, sometimes the hard choices are the ones that are best for both parties. You know, when you first when you said that quote, I was thinking, easy choice, hard life. I was like, actually, the it should be the easy choice. Like it becomes the easy choice when your priorities are clear, when you have your vision and your goals that there shouldn't be anything difficult about that. Right. It's like, this is my purpose. So therefore this is an easy conversation and it's easy to make these choices. But then when you gave your example of what happened, I was like, Oh no, that's absolutely brutal. And that's not easy at all. That that, it's because um, I think probably because we have multiple senses of priority and uh, Mm -hmm. the heart centric one is so powerful. <laughs> it absolutely is, but um, so I, we wish her well, and mm. uh, you know, and, and you know, now we're working on finding finding someone to uh, to fill that spot. But yeah, so in a more logistic sense, how does that work while you're opening a business, hiring or looking for an employee? <sighs> uh, so it's been tough actually because we're down three employees, and you know, we only have five employees or six, I guess now. Um, we're down half of our workforce. So Mark and I both have been working. Mm. Uh, we're working seven days a week now, uh, filling in at the float center. You're kidding me. Not until oh we hire Lord. someone, we are down too much. We can't fill all the spots. So it's been a little, it's been a little stressful and it's slowing down it, our work. And oh yeah. <sighs> yeah. That, of, that's um, a lot on your plate. That's a lot more <laughs> on your plate than you're already dealing with. Yeah. yeah. But you know, you do what you say, gotta do. The bean counter is in me is like, nice, not paying three employees. That's I know. Nice savings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't don't think I haven't thought about this. Yeah, don't think of I haven't. Because you know, remember, I'm still paying another lease, another loan payment, <sighs> and <laughs> equipment lease payments. So trust me, every dime at this point. 
um, helps, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, still, it's frustrating. What a roller coaster. Oh, man. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we signed up for, though, right? Yeah, I guess. Well, I don't know. Whether you knew it or not, that's what <laughs> Amy, you Amy, when you decided, yeah, exactly. When you decided to open a second flow center, you knew exactly what you were signing up for. <laughs> a lot of I us are innocent. Know exactly. We thought it was going to be <laughs> so easy. Bystanders. Yeah. <laughs> Learn from me <laughs> then, because um, it's, it's tough. I'm excited because I get to honestly say and not lie to our listeners this year, the drain is installed in our Nautilus flow room. <laughs> you got it done. It's finally done. We have a basically... If anybody hasn't listened before or isn't caught up, basically we have a float room with a drain in it where the floor wasn't done correctly, so the water would pool on one side of the room towards the door, unfortunately. It would be great if it was going to the back of the tank. But um, uh, long story short, tank, uh, excuse me, drain went in this morning. The water flows towards it. We are golden now. So, Brian, come float in a Nautilus float tank. I'll come check, check it, out. it out, man. I'm excited. Yeah, it's... It's good. It's such a great room, too, with the isopod in there. And then mm-hmm. uh, it's just like, oh, we got this one thing we got to fix. So I'm, I'm excited about that. And then FRP is, is next. Yeah. Oh, the FRP is next. Good. That's yeah. going to make such a huge difference for you. I love it. <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> so I loved it. When I put it up, I was it was so exciting. Uh, so did it go smoothly? Did you have any hiccups at all? Because I know the week before you weren't able to get it done, but how did it go? Aside from scheduling, no hiccups. I wasn't there. Therefore, there were no hiccups. And it was done before our next, our two o'clock floater went in. So that was great. Sweet. Who was coming in from out of town. We meant to cancel their float. And, or, you know, we we talked to them, like, can we reschedule this? And they're like, I'm coming in out of town. I got three other people here. Like, it's a big thing. Um, So we decided, okay, we're just going to seal it, that drain, like, put plastic down and towels and build a dam and just like for that one float, make sure it doesn't get wet. But then the plumber, by the time he left, he was like, nah, it's good. It's golden. Uh, so nice. we were good to go. Congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> Drains. Mm. Sexy conversation. <laughs> we're going to float center. <laughs> it's good right stuff. up there with FRP on the walls. Oh yeah. Um, in reference to something else from last week's episode, I'll just really briefly try to go through this, um, was that we had, um, I don't know if accused is the right word. I think so. Um, we had an artist uh, with Art Up that somebody considered to be appropriation of somebody's culture. And uh, I had a lot of strong feelings about it. Sandra had strong feelings about it. And um, in the end, I thought Sandra had almost the, just this moment of clarity to me at least, uh, which was um, it is not important enough Wow. Uh, not the not the idea of appropriation, but within our business and where we're putting our attention, uh, it's not worth us digging in to this at all. So uh, what we did was we reached out to our artist, let her know about it, let her know that we were bringing the uh, price tag off of that piece of art, and we moved on. And it was really interesting to go like, well, we can we can go further into this conversation. We can have a dialogue with the artist or we can figure out, um, you know, what does this really mean? What does appropriation mean? Dig in or fight for one way or the other, but just Sandra's point of view, which is one way or the other, we got a business to run. We we're busy people. We're parents. Let's do this. That customer is happy. Uh, the artist gets to learn something about, uh, you know, people in Portland and how they might view that particular piece of art. And we get to focus on what we're doing. And I, it just, when she said that, I was like, oh, he, yeah, we have things to focus on. This We're just not going to let one bright light just grab our attention and focus on that for, for a week. Um, I thought that was really interesting, and I, and I liked her take on it. I'd be curious if somebody else had a different take on it, uh, what their point of view would be to do. But uh, 
I liked where she came from. Um, one other minor thing, I don't think I, I really talk about uh, consulting with clients um, on uh, on the show. I usually try to stick with the uh, um, uh, float shop and, and those goings-ons, but uh, Drew, who was on our show previously, he, uh, owns New Hampshire Float, uh, has opened, opened in December, and he has just had a ton of success, and I got to Skype with him today, and I just... Um, I'm just feeling on cloud nine about his success and how well he's doing. And um, it's probably the most uh, successful business launch I've, I've ever seen, to be honest. And it's a two float tank center. It's not like he's opening six or eight float tanks and has, you know, these incredible margins and everything. I think he, he went about it very intelligently with his, with the means that he had, but uh, just to hear the success that he's having, get to talk to him as another float center owner and talk about clients and the excitement and like, who's going to have a great float or who's going to have a bad float and just those, those silly things or how does salt end up over there or up there? <laughs> like just those ridiculous <laughs> things has been so much fun. And I just want to say congratulations to Drew. The possibility that I could have contributed to that in any way is, is really exciting to me as well to see float centers taking off and, and his just being phenomenal. His, um, re- well, maybe he doesn't want me to share the numbers, but his, um, even with having only been open two months, his uh, retention rate of clients is extreme, the highest I've ever even heard of. So um, I'm just so excited that he's knocking it out of the park. And I wish all of us his numbers and his success <laughs> as well. <laughs> uh, his his uh, episode is, flo- uh, excuse me, episode 89, if you if you want to hear about Drew's business before he opened. And uh, we'll eventually when we get back on. Yeah. I, that just happened. Congratulations, had me Drew. Yeah. Yeah, congrats, Drew. That's awesome. Yeah, and and couldn't couldn't be happen to a better. I, I say happen. Of course, he manifested this. He, he's just a, such an awesome guy, incredibly driven, and uh, yeah, just such a wonderful human being. All right, I want to talk about Float Magazine. Before we do, I want to give a shout out to Float Fuel, produced in Utica, Illinois, just south of Chicago. Float Fuel is developing Epsom salts delivered to your front door, at least the front door of your float center. And Float Fuel doesn't have any shipping costs. So as long as you order a full pallet, the shipping is free. And as long as you use the promo code AOTF when ordering, you get 15% off your order, which is bringing the price down to 57 cents a pound. So go to the uh, link on the show notes page of Art of the Float or click on uh, the right side of the screen. If you see the logo, click on that and you can go ahead and order Float Fuel Better Salt for a Better Float. I want to bring on Rick and Jake from Float STL, founders of Rise, which, by the way, this year is April 21st and 22nd in St. Louis. Uh, guys, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey, welcome. Uh, we feel welcome. Thank you for uh, <laughs> have us, having us on here. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Hello. It's good. <laughs> hey there. <laughs> uh, what, what brings you guys on tonight? I'm curious. I don't know anything about it, and I'm really excited to learn. Yeah, so um, we're starting a magazine. That's the majority of what we're doing. But there's a lot of things that go into starting a magazine mm-hmm. when, uh, you know, most things are digital. So it's, it's kind of funny sitting in this space talking about actually creating a paper magazine mm-hmm. and wholeheartedly believing that it's going to add value to the experiences of um, people who exist in the industry who are looking for information, even though we have so many information channels, you know, we're 
we're creating a magazine, adding another information channel to the mix, and looking forward to connecting people in a new way. Cool. I'd, so just to clarify, this is for Float Center owners? Uh, for Float Center owners, operators, so employees, um, also for manufacturers. So it's a float okay. industry magazine. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And I'll, I'll just say, um, you said there are multiple channels of information. I don't think there are enough yet. Uh, yeah. We, we are not at saturation for, for float information out there. So this is a welcome addition. Yeah. So, you know, that, that brings us to an interesting question for me is like, um, you say that. I'm, I'm curious why, why you think that we aren't saturated yet. Wow, that's a big question. Uh, my question was going to be why why paper, not digital. But uh, yeah. let's get to that in a minute. Okay. Um, why do I not think it's saturated? So when Sandra and I opened the float shop back in the day, there were almost literally no resources whatsoever. Uh, uh, there were mm-hmm. a few float centers that were open, um, but there was no float tank solutions. There was no Art of the Float podcast. Um, right. There wasn't. It was going online and looking at you know, what is Epsom salt? Like, how much does Epsom salt weigh? <laughs> like, okay, if you mix that with water, there's an endothermic reaction. Interesting. Okay. So it gets cold when you mix salt into water. Um, it, it was Very just like cold. all from scratch. <laughs> uh, okay, this is how that works. Um, okay, what's a pump? What's a, Oh, it's a pool pump. There's not a specialized pump. So it was like completely everything from scratch, which is why uh, the float shop had almost no soundproofing whatsoever when we first opened because we thought mm-hmm. float tanks themselves were soundproof. So, um, sorry, that's... Um, getting too long-winded no, here. Great. Um, uh, float Tank Solutions launched. I think they launched as Float Tank Solutions, and, and they had their blog running, um, and that provided a particular amount of information to the industry that was incredibly valuable, and I th- personally thought, cool, now the industry has a resource for information. Uh, Amy actually encouraged me to start blogging, uh, which uh, had me hook up with my friend Brian here, who became the editor for the blog that I would write about mm-hmm. floating, which basically she said, there's another point of view to this as well, or there's additional information or different, just different takes on these, this, this thing. Um, one person or, or company's point of view on the float industry isn't everything. And so I started writing. Um, and then since then, um, uh, with, with consulting, you get to see a point of view of your clients and where they're getting their resources from and where they're getting information from. And I think at today's point, I just see that while there are voices out there, there's nothing, well, I don't think they'll ever be definitive, but it's still a little bit of a wild, wild west out there. Mm-hmm. And we're so much better than we used to be. Um, just one more call back to last week's episode. Gloria was on and we were talking about uh, how she's doing her walls and how to keep them from degrading from Epsom salt. And it's like, mm. she's, she's, well, we're still figuring it out, right? There, there are some yeah. best practices that we think, and there's the best practices for soundproofing, but there's still room for improvement. And other, as long as there are more voices out there, we're going to have new ideas. And there's a little bit of a sense of competition, friendly competition by all means, but uh, of we have to innovate and we have to create something that means something to the audience of, for us, the float community, the, the people who provide the floats. That was a really long answer. Is that no. your question? Is that no, it, it's, it's totally <laughs> awesome. I, I had to flip it on you there because that's really good information for me coming from a place of creating an information channel. So, you know, I think we get along just fine with the information that we have. Um, but I know Jake and I aren't interested in getting along just fine. Like, 
we mm. want to continue to add to that conversation. And like you said, there are a myriad of different voices that have their takes on it. And, you know, a lot of that is really at the heart of what we're doing is we feel a certain way about the industry. <clears throat> we want to take time to go out and have an excuse to explore the industry and then collect those things that resonate with us that we think are the best that people are doing or the most cutting-edge information that we have access to, mm -hmm. um, compile that in a space, and give it to people. That makes a ton of sense to me. I, I love that. that. That reminds me of, uh, of Rise last year where... I went in going, everything needs to provide value to a float center owner so that they can run it more efficiently or be better, mm -hmm. uh, You know, even if it's an introduction to their client or soundproofing, whatever it is. And so when I spoke, so much of that to me was I need this very specific, uh, narrow bandwidth of providing value. And mm -hmm. something that Rise showed me was, wait, value <laughs> is not this narrow bandwidth. The value can come from quite a few different angles. And it... It, a lot of that didn't even settle in for months afterwards reflecting on it and going, oh my gosh, I got so much more out of that than what I thought I needed to give other people. Um, so that was that was nice for me. So yes, more voices. <laughs> it, it's, it's a really interesting uh, time to be a float center owner because uh, a lot of what we do is we take this perspective is uh, to try to whittle it down to the most basic thing that we do is we curate space for people to have an experience. So we try to translate that into everything that we do to allow the individuals who are experiencing the space to have like their own voice while being in the space. Hmm. Uh, and we're going to try to translate that into the magazine as well. So we're curating the space for people to ingest value and information that's existing in the float industry in a really, really curated and simple and just really delicately beautiful way. And that's our goal. And we we're going to have fun doing it. And so hopefully people have fun reading it, going through it. And I know you were saying that you were curious about why print versus digital. And I think it goes along with that experience of what we do at a float center is we have that space that's there that people come and actually experience. And we also encourage people to turn off their phones, to mm -hmm. turn off uh, the, the screens and get away and kind of be with yourself. Uh, there's so many people who still like to have physical books versus like a Kindle. Yep, I'm and right here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's going to mm -hmm. be the mm -hmm. same kind of thought process, like curating a magazine that's for you coming to your float center, for you to read while people are floating. Mm -hmm. uh, it just seems to fit <laughs> ever, ever so nicely in that space. Because then what happens if somebody comes out of their float early? Are you on your telephone or are you, or I call it a telephone. <laughs> just <laughs> aged <Rotary> myself. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Oh, yeah. yeah, hello? The, the mobile device. Fax? Right? <laughs> a facsimile. You don't want to be on, on your mobile device or your, your computer screen when people come out. So. If you're coming cool. out and you're reading mm -hmm. a magazine, they're like, oh, hey, what's that? And you can, oh, I'm trying to create a, a better space for you. And we'll have, yeah. have really fun things in there. Yeah, I'm going to pile on that a little bit, too. Another idea that we talk about is, um, is encountering things that you don't expect. Mm -hmm. So with, with technology and with a screen, 
Um, there are some avenues. So you might see in a, in a blog, on a website, they'll have recommended articles that will you know, extend your knowledge because you're reading this and you can kind of fall into these, these holes. Or YouTube is a classic example of that. You start mm. clicking one thing, oh, you click another, you click another. Um, but you're choosing that at each moment that you're making that transition. It's not random. It's not happenstance. <clears throat> it's something that you are active in the choosing process. So we don't want to get away from people choosing what they're consuming in the magazine, but the ability to place something into their hands where they'll have a general idea, the scope of the information, but the actual information that exists inside of it isn't going to be something that they know or that they know they're going to run across or that they're going to encounter. Mm. So you might not think you need to look at a branding article to help your brand, but we might have a branding article in there that you thumb through, it catches your attention, uh, and you read through it, and, and you collect some information that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you guys going to have some sort of digital component to the magazine, either some, some articles making it to the website or some sort of digital integration, even if it's not the full magazine? Yeah, we will. So um, our website, thirdwavemag.com, you can go over there and check that out. There are sign-up sheets, but what we also are going to be maintaining there, and there are a couple articles on there right now, um, it's more of a a figurative or more of a gestural uh, blog type experience. So it's going to be similar in scope to the magazine. Um, but it's going to be shorter articles, more consumable articles, things that you can read in three to five minutes as you're kind of passing along. Uh, the majority of the long format, like deep dive, very informative information, at this point we intend on um, mo- pushing through the uh, paper magazine only. That makes cool. sense. It's a good, good way to approach it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so good to have digital content uh, for people to consume in kind of this, like, fast way. Mm-hmm. Um, right, because that's, and being that, able that's how to people use the web. Slow yeah. things down on paper uh, is a really exciting kind of idea for me. Yeah, that is, I'm extremely intrigued by that concept. I love where you're coming from to, to bring something physical. What, uh, what does distribution look like for the magazine? Is this something people uh, sign up for and it gets shipped directly to their float center? Yeah, um, yeah. You so you, you pretty much nailed it there. Um, we're going to be giving this magazine away for free to uh, everybody, every center that wants one. Um, oh, nice. So each center, uh, they can receive the copy for free. The way that they'll do that is they'll go onto the website. Um, there's a list of four options on the homepage of the website. You choose what applies to you, and you fill out a short survey. And at the end of the survey, when you submit it, you get onto our newsletter, which you're going to get some, um, you know, some of our musings and our, our thoughts mm-hmm. that way. And then when the magazine is ready for release, uh, every center will receive one copy for free. And then for those people who want to um, have one sent directly to their house, we'll have options for that. But we want to make sure everybody has accessibility to it. That includes float centers um, and manufacturers alike. So each manufacturer will be able to re- receive a, a copy of it for free as well. 
one thing I've learned is uh, it seems like a podcast is you just turn on the microphone, you start talking, and uh, all of a sudden you've got a podcast, right? You're 100 episodes in. But as it turns out, there's a lot more to it than that, Mm -hmm. a lot of planning and uh, scheduling, all that good stuff. Um, How difficult is it to put together a magazine uh, and and, and how, how, how thick... How big is this magazine, and how frequently will we should we anticipate getting this magazine? Well, you started meeting regular, like you probably met once a week since after FloatCon this past yeah. year, mm-hmm. and we've been pushing on it pretty hard. Uh, Rick's been pushing on it super hard. <laughs> yeah, differentiation between hard and super hard is a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, super hard! Damn. Right? Yeah. Wow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's like uh, you know the Wolverine, his uh, his claws. I'm okay. like adamantium. <laughs> super hard. God. <laughs> uh, you got me on that one. Well, you started it. <laughs> Uh, and and so we've been pushing pretty hard with that, and uh, I think the goal is what we're finding is to be between about thirty six and forty eight pages. Yeah. Every wow. issue and every issue will come out quarterly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Wow. That's that's yeah. the goal. Um, the biggest I think difficulty in it so far, what we're seeing is uh, getting that content, uh, which we've actually have a lot right now, which we're really excited about, at least enough for the first two issues. Nice. Um, and then the next step is just funding advertisement yeah. space and what is it, what they call them, advertorials? Yeah, yeah, sponsored mm-hmm. content and, and ads go. and being able to, like, have somebody, um, you know, ask for space in the magazine and us wanted to make sure that they represent our ideals and and being able to speak to that and adding value to them in that way as well is like we just want to learn and explore and and not bring somebody into the fold uh, or to the many folds of the magazine um, uh. for no for no reason <laughs> <laughs> you know like bring them in because we believe in what they're doing and yeah. and maybe they need help getting that message out or like or what that is um, but it, I mean it's we're we're not going to lie about it at all. It's a big undertaking. Uh, it's it's kind of mind-boggling. I wasn't really much of a writer before <laughs> August of last year. <laughs> um, nice. So it, it's, you know, I've, I've done other things creative, and I've been able to use my process to help me get better at that, but I'm really just pushing myself to learn it and to continue writing, and I have Jake that holds me accountable to that because it doesn't... I don't know if it comes naturally for anybody. I never just like sit on my couch and feel like, oh yeah, I should just chill and right. write a couple <laughs> articles. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it takes effort. Um, yeah, so yeah. A lot of that went into the planning stages. Um, we spent weeks and weeks and weeks developing the concept for it uh, and pushing it through different iterations. And now, probably just in the past eight to twelve weeks has it really emerged in our idea or in our minds with a clear intention and that's starting to help the gears start turning it's it's a it's a complete expression of vulnerability that we've been working so hard on and we really hope that people are able to see that and feel that it's okay to do that as they read it um it's going to be 
you know, you talk about this undertone as we've been creating it. And that's something that is very important for us, f for people to feel like this. You know, sometimes vulnerability is a little bit of a, uh, what do you call it? A tr not a trigger word. Uh, Activate? Yeah, something like that. I like the word Scares openness. People. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, there's, a, there's a large act of opening that we've been, not only in our relationship, but also in just the process of challenging ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we really hope that that comes across in the subtlest of ways. Hmm. You, you know, when you start an undertaking like this, it is a large amount of work. And to write, to deep dive into subjects and create this consistently good, um, open uh, content, uh, you know, that's a lot of time, a lot of effort. And when we do that online, uh, we know how we want people to interact with it. You know, usually when we put something up online, we're looking for shares, we're looking for likes, we're looking for people to, we know how people are going to engage with that information. But you're doing something mm -hmm. that is going retro. It's something we haven't done for a while. How do you see people engaging with the magazine? How do, how do you see people using it? How do you want them to, to interact with the art that you've put or the work that you've put into this magazine? Hmm. That's a great question. Jake's looking at me. Um, <laughs> so we're not like going into a cave. Um, like we're going to have social media we have a Facebook page um, at Third Wave Mag. We have an Instagram made up. Uh, so we'll be interacting with people in that fashion. Um, and then we're also trying to develop interesting uh, ways to interact with people that are, are congruent with this magazine. You know, we, um, a big part of this is going to be talking to people. A big part of this is going to be reporting, going out, getting stories, having phone conversations. Um, if you go over to our website and our Contact Us page, uh, there is our email to contact us. There's also a phone number that hooks up to a voicemail um, that you can come and if you have time to leave a voicemail instead of an email, just call us up, leave us a voicemail. We're going to listen to it and we'll reach back out and, and talk about it. Uh, a big reason why we're able to offer it to for free to the industry is we ask our subscribers just a few simple questions. Um, to start to get their, their feedback and their input on us. And then we can start to create that feedback loop. So we want to take th that input. That's why you know, we're talking to you and, and launching and announcing this uh, with time before the first issue comes out. Uh, we want to get that feedback from people. And then also, you know, if, if you say something cool to me or if you ask me a question in the voicemail, like, I'm going to call you and set some time up where we have 15 minutes to talk. Uh, and maybe 30 minutes, maybe it turns into an hour. But really just digging in and starting to see how um, people respond to it in that way. Because it's really going to help us uh, create the best thing that we can create, take the temperature of the water and, and make sure that we're um, you know, producing messages, content, and articles that really affect people. Uh, so that, that's the, the best way that I understand how we'll gauge success and results is, is kind of on that personal level. Something that I like to picture in my head of how people are engaging in the magazine is when they receive it, um, they don't directly feel connected to any particular person. They just start to mm -hmm. feel more uh, connected to the industry as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that maybe somebody else 
this probably sounds funny, but maybe somebody else in the country is reading the same thing and feeling and laughing and sharing in this moment. Uh, but there is no like internet that's outwardly showing it because you know we we've, we've opened centers and when you're in a center we've opened two. Uh, <laughs> when you're in there, you're you're in that bubble. Like you're mm-hmm. sometimes not really even accessing some of the people around you that are helping you like you're you have your head down and you're working and and sometimes you don't have time to check like flow collective or reach out to somebody but but if you have this copy laying around and and you know what it is and you can take some time and you can read it and you can understand maybe what's happening in the industry without having to leave your little bubble of of hard work and dedication it might feel good it might feel in this weird way of not interacting with somebody but still feeling connected. Uh, I think that is a major goal. Uh, I think that's been the goal of the float industry since its inception, um, to help people feel more connected. And I think that's something as we grow, as we expand in the industry, that's something that needs to be carefully attuned to, making sure that we stay connected. And that's the that's one of the real big goals with this, is, is to I'll say it again, to feel connected. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. That's great. Mm. I, l- I love that. I love that being the part of the mission as well. One of the things that uh, I really took away from, again, I'll go back to Rise, uh, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think I keep bringing it up because you're, you're part of putting on Rise, uh, is that um, it, uh, the experiences of floaters and, and the benefits that they were getting out of it was some of the most memorable memorable things that I left with was kind of that inspiration for why we're doing this. And something I've brought up on the show is that I'm less and less involved in, in the day-to-day operations of our business. And so I, I lose some of that inspiration and those one-on-one connections. <clears throat> Will that be a part of this magazine as well? Uh, just And I ask just because it seemed to be such a fundamental piece of rise. Like uh, frequent floaters... Um, input. Is Fre- I just want to. I just want to make sure I'm clear on the question. Yeah, yeah. Frequent floaters input, or but also, um, like what what they're getting out of floating, or the benefits that mm. they're experiencing, or just their firsthand experiences that could inspire float center owners uh, ourselves. Oh, absolutely. I think reminders of why we first exactly. came into this industry is mm. utterly important to be refreshed constantly. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because it's so easy, as you're saying, you, you step away from those moments of facilitating floats or you're doing all these different things, um, you know, worrying about the budget and how much you're paying employees and if somebody's going to show up or call in sick the day before and making all these lists and remembering that, oh, there are people who have one float and they change their life mm-hmm. or they have one interaction with somebody at a float center and it sparks something that they take out and... It like feeds on itself. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's uh, utterly valuable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rick, is there anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I, I would just add that uh, the um, the intention is going to stay pretty um, seamless with adding that value to those people in float centers. So you know, you're you're communicating to us that. Are people who own, operate, you know, or interact with the float centers, um, you're saying to us, like, that is valuable to you. Like, hearing those stories inspire you to keep going. So, yeah, we're going to be putting those in there. 
um, finding those stories, that would, I mean, it would probably be so easy. You know, there are, there are a million success stories that surround us all the time. Uh, and just just getting reminded of that. Yeah, so that's all I would add is that it's going to have the flavor of how it impacts you as an industry professional, but we might, you know, move into, um, I mean, no realm is off limits. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I drink coffee all the time. It's a float industry magazine, but I might tell you about coffee if I think it's going to help you on a, on a day-to-day experience, or if I think you might enjoy it, you know? Coffee might impact the float. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the people who own float centers, yes. That m- there might yeah. be some crossover here, yeah. Believe it or not, actually, the coffee industry has some really great publications about their industry that have been oh, sure. a major source of inspiration yeah. to, to Third Wave. Yeah, 25. Well, 25. 25 Magazine is a, is a big one. It's, okay, it's put cool. on by the, uh, the SCA, um, which stands for something coffee association. Oh, maybe an association. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, they put on a they they put out a great magazine and constantly ex- inspired by either awesome. coffee drinking cool. or whatever. Are there other inspirations for this magazine outside of the float industry? Um, what, what, one of the uh, initial sparks was being at the float conference uh, this past year. And Glenn and Lee had reached out and contacted uh, Kevin and I to meet up before the start, and mm. we met in the lobby of the hotel we were staying at, and they gave us the, the floating magazine from, like, 1989, and they didn't know what they were... Uh, my understanding was that they just felt like something uh, would be of value for us to have those, and they gave them to us, and they're, they're like relics, they're they're amazing. They're black and white, and they have these hilarious ads in them for oh, these w- waterproof Walkmans <laughs> to take into the float tank. Uh, th- they're great. Uh, there's so this cool. one article that Lee wrote about Glenn, and it just has a picture of his eyes above it. Uh, it's so great. It's really sweet. It's a really it's, sweet. It's article. so sweet. Um, and so we were just sitting on it, and Kevin and I were talking, and like we felt so honored that we had these in our hand. Totally. And then that evening, there was the FTA uh, panel. And as, as people were in there talking, um, conversing, having open dialogues, trying to understand what was happening in the industry, uh, what the FTA... What what the FTA was helping with, with the model aquatic health code. There was a lot of anxiety and there was a lot of uh, what felt like miscommunication. And that was a moment in which I was like, Some, something needs to be more defined to help uh, spread and produce information that's happening, the communication, what's hap- like what's going on in this industry, I, and it's not in a uh, random, unorganized way, uh, which is sometimes the most easily accessible types of or- information. Well, you know, you can go to Google and just try to find something. So there, there's something that sparked me in my head, and I went up to Lee afterwards, and I was like, uh, I got my boy back in St. Louis who's really good at art, and um, I'm pretty sure that we're just going to create a magazine, and we want to we want to like revitalize this idea that you gave me this morning. 
we want to try to help people understand what the FTA is trying to do, mm. uh, maybe add, add value to that. Um, because, I know, Dylan, you were talking earlier about when you first opened up a center and you had, like, no information. Mm-hmm. You didn't know where to turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that the FTA tries to do that. And so that was a, like, oh, there, there's something here. I didn't know quite what it was at that point, but that was a major source of inspiration. And it was just something fun I could do with Rick because I know he really likes to do that stuff. Um, I my, myself had tried to start uh, a, an art publication here in St. Louis the previous summer, so I've been <laughs> kind of uh, slightly experienced in failing in making a publication. <laughs> it was called The Openness Project, but... Uh, so maybe this one will be a lot better with the help of Rick. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't helping him on that one. <laughs> yeah, a business partner helps. A, a, a partner in crime is, is definitely right. the inspiration and everything, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point, too, is is uh, Jake and I's relationship is kind of one of the major outside of the float industry sources of inspiration for mm-hmm. us. We, s- we spend a lot of time together and uh, bounce ideas around all the time and um, you know, I've been with Float STL for close to three years, uh, and, um, you know, it's like, oh, well, we're having these conversations, we're doing this work, we talk about it all the time, like, we should, sh- we should try to share it, um, and after a while of getting more and more comfortable, it, it seems like, you know, this space emerged for us to, mm-hmm. um, use our relationship in a way that produces something of value, uh, to others. Is there anything else that you'd like to share about Third Wave? Uh, I'm sure we like could go on and on. Perhaps the yeah. name? Where did that name come from? Ah, okay. So I can, I can tell you that. Um, so back to coffee. Uh, <laughs> there's, um, there's this concept in specialty coffee, and a lot of specialty coffee, they self-identify themselves as Third Wave coffee. Um, so basically, you can uh, imagine it, and this is an improper analogy, but it, it provides clarity. So Folgers is kind of this uh, introduction to the commoditization of coffee in North America. So those big companies that existed in the past, um, a lot of the coffee there was from multiple origins. Nobody even knew anything about uh, coffee plants, but people were making it and people were loving it and it was improving their lives. Uh, and the second big iteration, um, the reason these iterate is to generate more money to create a higher quality product of coffee. Um, so you can look at Starbucks for that. Uh, they increased the cost per cup of coffee, but what they were able to do was their idea of you know creating a space outside of home and work that you felt comfortable in. The coffee was better. You started to see more single origin roasts, more intention into the growing process. And then there's some pushback in in the newest uh, specialty direction of coffee where it's smaller farms, smaller roasters, uh, more connected communities, and much, much better coffee, in my opinion. Uh, Much more intention, much more clarity. Um, in the cup and in their intentions, the spaces that they create. Uh, so I just love that idea. And so does I that mean we're in the third wave of the float industry? 
that's the parallel that I'm drawing, is that we're in it, and we're also creating it simultaneously. So it's not something that's done, um, you know, nailing down exactly when that shift happened is kind of shaky, but we're definitely in a space that we've never been before, as far as specialty goes, intention goes, and the types of services that we're offering, and the legitimacy of the industry. Can you walk me through the waves as you see them, even if it's a, a bit of a generalization? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, I see the inception of the industry and its um, first blossom in commercial growth as the first wave. Um, so you have that span of time, I would say, uh, you know, from Samadhi and their propagation of the float tank uh, in the late 70s and, and 80s, and then um, we got some inf interesting information the other day that at some point, I'm not sure exactly the year, but in the 80s, there were over 100. Is that right, Jake? Uh, I was told over 200. Over 200 float centers in the world. Uh, which may be documented. So we're, I mean, that's one of the things that we want to do with this magazine is find some of this uh, documentation, this information, and flush it out in a way that everyone can understand. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know if that's 100% accurate because I don't actually have the information or the have researched the information, but it it's out there apparently. Yeah, and we all kind of anecdotally know about that bloom. Uh, and I'm often surprised by people's experiences of floating in in the 80s. It was before me. Um, so then, you know, the second major shift. Uh, I think um, revolves around the Floatcon Float Conference and the uh, accessibility and how owning and operating a center uh, became exponentially more accessible mm -hmm. in the years since there's been this organized way to receive information and to surround yourself with the industry. Uh, and we've seen over the past six, seven years an explosion of centers, of ideas, different um, manufacturers, uh, those kind of things. Uh, and now I think we are very spread out. Um, the industry now has this uh, scary potential to start fracturing in these ways that we don't all agree with. We mm -hmm. interact more and more on a daily basis with people who are in this industry but have a completely different intention than we do. Um, or just a, a completely different mindset than we do. And that's awesome. And that's beautiful. And it's starting to show me um, the adaptability of this evolutionary process that may have been taking place before, but it's happening much more rapidly. So now as we kind of enter into this third wave, uh, it's important for us to connect, to stay connected, to clarify our standards, um, to clarify our voice, uh, to make sure our foundations are strong, and that we're all intending in, in a way that's helpful and congruent um, for our guests, really, for the people who float with us. Uh, and I think that there's never been a, you know, a huge need for us to unite in that way. Um, but as we move forward, it's going to be really helpful, and it's going to take all of our businesses to the next level. Thank you. When um, uh, I think about a bad cup of coffee, if I get a bad cup of coffee down the street, I don't think, damn it, coffee sucks. Mm -hmm. Coffee's just not for me. That was a terrible cup. 
are we at the point in the industry where we're able to go, that was a bad float, but I know that floating is good or that, um, you know, is, it, is there that much saturation with floating? I don't know. I think we're getting close. Mm -hmm. I think that, I mean, in, in our city, we have uh, seven or eight or nine other float centers. Wow. Uh, You're kidding me. I think, I think it's seven total. And dedicated six, centers. Yeah, dedicated six wow. or five different companies. Yeah. Wow. And then there are a few spaces that have float tanks. Uh, and we're, I mean, we're a small city of three million people. Uh, on the scheme of things, St. Louis is three million people, and it's really, really spread out. Mm -hmm. um, so there's plenty of space. Uh, but yeah, I think that um, as we move through this year and the next year, uh, people are, are starting to say, like, oh, I've heard of that floating thing. Mm -hmm. uh, if, I'm, if I'm talking to them at, at, at a coffee shop or at a bar, uh, you know, it's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's, that's all I drink. Um, <laughs> people say, like, yeah, I've heard of that floating thing. Uh, so that means that it's getting through. There is a voice that is penetrating. Um, I, I don't know if we're seeing the effects yet of, or have enough data to know which voices are the loudest and which voices are penetrating. Um, but as, as interest increases, uh, being able to communicate what we do more clearly, um, I think is something we need to be focusing on. Agreed. And, and I think uh, you're talking about a, a particular standard, and it sounds like the standard that you want to create the magazine with, but also deliver your floats with. Uh, and that's something that Amy and I prioritize as well. And something mm -hmm. that the onus or the reason for creating this is so that as an industry, we can have a certain standard or at least accessibility to this, because I don't want my competitor to not have this information. I want them to have clean water that yeah. doesn't smell like a gym sock, you know. I want, yeah, I want a certain level of quality. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I am excited that that is, continue to be pushed out there, continue continue to be iterated on as well. And and, and again, I love the physical format of that. I mean, you are talking to somebody who I have a very difficult time reading an ebook, and I need to turn mm -hmm. that page and and feel that it's just in me. Of, of what I need, and I love the reasons that that you're actually doing that to uh, almost slow people down and not click on that. Uh, uh, Dennis hate this one weird trick uh, link <laughs> that doesn't have any anything behind it. It's it's your yeah. actual everything within there is going to have substance and not just to deliver you to another website or you know another click through. Yeah, that's awesome. We were just looking at swatches of uh, is that the word swatches of paper. Oh sure. yeah, Feeli feeling them. We're really excited. Nice. Found some uh, <laughs> some texture that feels great. It looks great. Yeah, uh, getting close. Yeah, if you're bored, just order some paper swatches and <laughs> feel, the feel the difference between them. It's fascinating. So fa I didn't even know that world existed. <laughs> I, I got bored, so I ordered FRPs. So that's what I'm doing. I'm looking at FRP oh, yeah. samples right now. You'd Ooh. also be fascinated if you haven't already. <laughs> All right, that's I, I, awesome. Yeah. Now that we've talked about this and you've got us all excited about the possibility of this magazine showing up in our mailbox, when is the first edition going out? When can that's we expect question. this? <laughs> yeah, that's a powerful question. Um, it's going to be released in mid to late spring is our intention. Um, so cool. the, the range there, you know, is uh, April, May uh, is what we're looking at for that. Um, yeah, for sure. 
And if people want to sign up, they can go to thirdwavemag.com. Yeah, so this is this is where we need people's help, and we need all of your help, and you know, people interacting with it and supporting it is going to allow us to do really awesome and crazy things, responsible things, but crazy things. Uh, so, you know, whenever you get a chance, everything is all up, all ready, all live. There's a couple articles over there. I'll be adding a few more over the next couple of days. Just go over to thirdwavemag.com. Uh, on, the, on the landing page, there's going to be four options. Um, you choose which one best describes you. If multiple ones describe you, just pick the one that you do the most of. So if you manufacture a product and you run a float center, but you spend 30 hours a week in the center and 10 on the product, pick that you, um, you, know, you run a float center. You'll click through that. There's going to be just a short survey. You should be able to fill it out in under five minutes. Leave us any comments that you have, and then hit the little green submit button at the bottom of that form. We'll get it. We'll send you a couple of emails. Just confirm that you meant to click that. And then um, you're going to be on our list to receive the first issue. Cool. Uh, and then you know, reaching out to us with any other questions that you have, or if you just want to call and chat. You know, those contact options are on the website under the contact button over there. Um, social media, you can follow us over there. Uh, we're at Third Wave Mag on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, those are going to be the best ways um, to connect with us in the, in the digital sphere. And, and that survey, that's to get to know your audience for, who, for yourselves of who is this magazine truly for, for, for yourselves and, and for your advertisers, I'm assuming? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> we just want to know with great detail what people want to see. So there are a list of topics that we ask people to select. Also, um, just some basic uh, information about their business. Um, and uh, yeah, so with advertisement, uh, we want to be able to give that demographic data to people who want to advertise with us and be really clear and upfront with that. Um, all of that information is going to be anonymous and compiled in, you know, just a way that none of that information is directly getting sent to an advertiser. Sure. All of that's going to stay cool. private. And that is important. I, I noticed on the uh, on the sign up form that there's a spot to put a country where your float center is located. Are you guys going to be distributing these internationally? If we can. Okay. <laughs> if, if there's interest. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, w I think the idea is um, to listen to the people, and yeah. if if they're there and they're they're asking for it, we're going to do our best to make it happen. All right, Australia, yeah. fill out that survey. <laughs> right. I'm always surprised by how many people are are listening from Australia. Yeah. We'll make it happen. Cool. We'll make it happen for sure. I dig it. Uh, any other questions, Amy and Brian? No, cool. I think this is a, a great concept, and I, I, yeah. I, love, I love the heart behind it to mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, connect the community together more because I think we talk about that a lot on the show is like making sure that this community stays tight-knit and is sharing ideas, especially as we grow, um, so that we can you know, meet more than once or twice at a conference every year. Um, and you know, right. Float Collective helps everyone stay in touch, but... The more we can do to connect this community via podcasts, magazines, et cetera, I think the better it's um, going to benefit the community as a whole. 
That's great. Yeah. Thanks for supporting us and having us on. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, super here. stoked. Super stoked. But but I do have I personally have more questions. Oh, and great. they're about coffee. Yeah. So <laughs> if you don't want to <laughs> be here about coffee, it's time to tune out. So I got into coffee. Uh, yeah. But I'm I'm nowhere near where you are. But well, how do you uh, know? well, let me I'll tell you where I am, and you tell me. <laughs> uh, so basically, I just started drinking black coffee, and that's Ooh, when I started. Congratulations! Going, oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. I started going. Oh, there's something to this. Like I actually prefer this over that, and um, older coffee tasted different to me than the newer. Mm-hmm. Mind you, I can microwave coffee twice and still drink it. So me too. Oh, okay, interesting. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> Um, I'm curious uh, about, uh, does light roast, is that going to be more or less caffeine? And can I roast my own beans and do you roast your own? Okay. Um, light roast is going to be more caffeine unequivocally a hundred percent of the time, unless okay. it's not, but uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's going to be, it, good. It's, <laughs> there might be some kind of weird technique that someone's developed that, you know, oh, challenges funny. that. But uh, as a general rule, if you're looking for rocket fuel, the lighter the roast, the better it's going to get you up. Okay. Um, and I think the, the better that it's going to taste once you start to align to, um, you know, the lighter, more subtle flavors of coffee. Oh, interesting. Uh, okay. Roasting your own coffee. Uh, the risk to reward ratio <laughs> there is just, <laughs> it's, it's, it's wild. Cause okay. If you want to spend a lot of time doing that, sample roasting and, and mm. figuring that all out and then starting to think about sourcing, um, there's only one, co- uh, as far as I know, I, I went to a, a competition last year and there was only one green coffee supplier that supplies to individuals in the States. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, you might be able to get some, you know, if you have connections in other in other shops, but... Mm-hmm. It's just it's just a lot of work, and yeah. there are people who spend forty hours a week doing it, fifty right. hours right. a week, probably sixty hours a week doing it, and they're going to be better at it than you. Right, right. Uh, and that's a good thing. So yeah. I would I would just recommend you know exploring your own cities, um, finding those specialty coffee shops. Uh, usually a good indicator. Yeah. Okay. yeah, you probably got. That. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> one or two. Uh, it's one on the south side too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they, you know, a good indicator is they tell you where the coffee's from. And they give right. you tasting notes. Usually, if that's on a menu, you're you're getting you're getting warmer. Um, so, can about the roasting then. Uh, we did just turn into Art of the Roast. Uh, sorry, but uh, <laughs> it's so great. I'll be. Can I be a co-host on that podcast? <laughs> yeah, I think I think you'll be the host. Actually, <laughs> um, uh, if I go to Starbucks, am I getting fresh roast? How do I know if I'm getting? Because I heard that if you are tasting something that was just roasted, you're going to get a way better experience than something that was roasted a while back and sealed up. So I used to work for Starbucks. Um, I was a I was a partner there for a while. And Shocking, shocked. Yeah. I'm shocked. Well, more importantly, my girlfriend and love of my life worked for the like very most special coffee shop, oh. a coffee roaster in St. Louis. Um, in my opinion, uh, there are a couple other really great roasters. Don't Shared get me opinion wrong. over here on that one. But uh, yeah, Blueprint wow. Coffee. Houses. Shout out. Um, so she taught me a lot, but, uh, so back to Starbucks, they do a really great job in keeping things fresh Hmm. just because they go through so much product. 
turnover. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you would probably get less fresh coffee going to, uh, you know, a local shop that doesn't care or isn't, isn't producing much or they have something else to offer and coffee isn't really their focus. Um, Starbucks, you're going to get the best, freshest cup you can that Starbucks can manage, um, especially if you go, like, during a rush. It's just going to be... It's going to be a lot better. It's going to be super tasty, and everything's going to be perfect because they're just moving through it so quick. Right. It's hard to mess it up. Um, but, yeah, fresher coffee, it's huge. And then grinding it, um, it's a whole other thing. If, if you get it, if you have a grinder at home, if you have, uh, you know, like a burr grinder where the beans pass from a top reservoir through the grinder into the bottom, then you're going to oh. be getting the freshest coffee that you can on a regular basis. Um, because you're grinding it right there. And when the particle sizes are smaller, it's going to lose its flavor quicker. So if you get it ground at the shop and you take it home and it's in on your counter for two weeks, uh, at the end of that bag, it's going to taste way worse than it did in the beginning. Okay. So you know what I'm just realizing is that in the hero video for Rise, it has you pouring or doing pour-overs. It does, Nice. Oh, was that oh, you? Did I meet yeah. you? Were you pouring yeah, coffee? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was <laughs> Tiffany and I. Yeah, my girlfriend and I. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, great. Oh, great. So, you, so you're guaranteed great coffee at the Rise Conference, just an FYI. That was delicious, Co- yummy coffee. Yeah. So, so I do have a grinder. That was something new that okay. I learned. Uh, well, not new. I guess I've been doing it for quite some time now. But uh, yeah. the finer, do, is there a point that I want to get it to? Or can it just be a complete powder by the time I mm, put it in my No, cone? no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, so what kind of, is, is it like a, it's like a little blade on a wheel that spins around? Is that right? Yeah, or do you have one that the coffee? Propeller, okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's going to get you started. Um, okay. The problem, the the difficulty with those is due to the nature and the mechanics of it. There's gonna be it's gonna be inconsistent how the coffee is ground throughout what you're grinding. Absolutely. So that coffee that at the that's at the bottom is gonna be much finer than the stuff mm-hmm. that's resting on top. Mm-hmm. So that inconsistency through the grind, you're gonna have parts of the coffee that over extract and parts of the coffee that under extract. So the 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 finer the grind the easier it is for the hot water to extract the okay. solids from the coffee. Um, so you want to you know, try to get a consistent grind. Um, and then uh, the finer it is, the quicker it will extract. That's why espresso is really, really finely uh, ground. Mm-hmm. And you brew it in 20 to 30 seconds you know, as, as a general average. So what I'd recommend if you want to take your coffee game to the next level, is get a burr grinder, because that has a reservoir at the top where you put your beans, and then it goes through the grinding apparatus into a bottom reservoir, so all of it's consistent. Well, I know what I'm doing as soon as we end the podcast. <laughs> I'll, send you a, I'll send you a link. <laughs> if, you guys, uh, if you guys are bringing this kind of expertise to the float industry, it's going to be very well received. <laughs> I love it. Thank you guys, and thanks oh, for, for uh, walking me through some coffee bits there as of well. Course. I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for joining the show tonight. Thank and, you. Uh, I'm really excited about your magazine. Please, I encourage everybody to visit thirdwavemag.com, sign up, support this. In fact, it doesn't cost you anything to support it at this point, so real easy 
uh, way to just experience another part of the float industry and all the inspiration that is occurring within it. Uh, so please be part of it. it. It's a fun industry to be part of. Absolutely. Um, right? Yeah. Uh, unless there's anything else you guys want to say before we close out. Uh, just excited to keep having fun in this industry, just like you're yeah. talking about it. Right. It's a great time. Uh, great <laughs> people. Thanks, thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for, for being our guest. I really, truly appreciate it. Before we go, I want to thank FloatAway. FloatAway is manufacturing float tanks in Tulsa, Oklahoma now, right next to Liber, which I think got them spending so much time in the U.S. that they just decided to open up a manufacturing facility right there. Not only do they have the 8-foot diameter float around, but they're also doing the 10-foot float around. They have the largest circular float pool on the market, the Serenity. And uh, yeah, Justin uses that. I floated in that float tank several times, and it is literally the best float I've ever had in those float arounds. They are absolutely incredible for anybody who can get those in their float center. I strongly encourage it. But they have all sorts of different types of float tanks. Also, just Ginny and Colin are incredibly sweet, helpful people. I also just encourage you to use them as a resource. But go to floataway.com if you want to get a hold of them, or just check out the float tanks that they're that they're making. Uh, again, floataway.com. In closing, thanks to our Patreon supporters. Thanks to all of our listeners. We appreciate you so much. We are available for consulting. Gloria Morris is also with us as well in our consulting. She's joined the team. Go to the uh, consulting tab on artofthefloat.com if you want to check that out. Thanks to everybody who's supporting us on Amazon, book- bookmarking that link. Uh, just all these all these little tiny things help, help support the podcast. Uh, if anybody is opening their float center, has wins, successes, or difficulties that they want to share, we have an option on the website. There's a gold bar on the left side of the screen uh, to leave a speak pipe or a voicemail. We want to hear about your, your grand opening, and we want to share in your successes and also share in your challenges as well. So please let that be a milestone that you reach out to us and share, and we'll, of course, share that on the show as well. And thanks to Kim for, uh, for writing our show notes. Please remember, there's an infinite amount to find in the presence of nothing, so spend some time there. We'll see you next week.